Welcome back to the Game People podcast. Each week we look at a particular video game with a collection of writers from the website. Come and join the gang of reviewing artisans. See if the memory This week we're looking at stacking on XBLA and PSN. And I've got with me John Morgan, Alex Beach, Chris Jarvis, and special guest Ian Simons. Hardcore casual, personal, there's someone just like you, a people. So before we start talking about stacking in detail, let's introduce who we've got here today. Hi, I'm Alex Beach, I'm the Scare Gamer, I'm Game People. Hi, I'm John Morgan, I'm an academic, a freelance writer and a blogger. I write the Tired Gamer column for Game People under my blogging name, Really Quite Tired. Uh, I'm Chris Jarvis, uh, I'm a writer and I write um, the Novel Gamer column for Game People, which is sort of games reviewed in the format of, of, of short fictional stories. Uh, hello, uh, I'm Ian Simons, I'm, I write about video games and I direct the Game City Festival in Nottingham. Super. So, Stacking, what struck you about this experience? What got me first when I jumped into this uh, was that it was very minimalist in the way it was designed. I mean, they obviously taken this created this wonderful kind of Russian socialist world and you're thrown in as this tiny little doll who is on a quest to save his family and you being a little Russian doll you can hop into the other dolls and control them as you go around and use their powers to help you on your quest and it's just this delightful little story of saving your family. I mean something I found was the way that the the game used these stacking dolls was more than just sort of to make it look cute but actually seemed to um weave them into the, the controls and the way you power them up. Um, do you think that worked? I think it did. I think one of the things that you know is really interesting about stacking is that you've got quite a complicated concept, which is this idea that you maybe have different abilities or different powers that you need to call on. And I think a lot of other, you know, I think a lot of other games you play, there's this very complicated kind of skills and upgrade mechanic to get you around the game. Uh, and actually stacking does it you know, in a very elegant way, you've, you, you know, you've got this very visual cue, which is if you need a character that can search the environment for special dolls, you can see a doll that's got like a pair of binoculars. And it's a very, it's a very clear visual cue that if you grab this character, you can kind of use their ability to have a good look around. I think it's very seamless the way that it introduces a very complicated concept, but actually makes it totally accessible to any player. I think it's, uh, I think it's laudable for that. Um, I was completely on board with the concept as being a, you know, a very easy and should be very accessible way of communicating, uh, you know, complicated level ups, complicated you, you, kind of uses of different, of different characters for different ends. I have to say, I found uh, it not to be seamless, and actually, I found the the obvious richness of detail in the game to be something that was quite difficult to get to and quite frustrating to find. So, where, where, you know, upon entering a level that quite often would be quite big, you'd see an expanse of little dolls wobbling around and you knew that when you got close to them, they were incredibly detailed and it was really rewarding. It might just be because I have poor eyesight. But uh, <laughs> I was having to get like really quite close to them to ascertain what their skills were. And I started to find that a little bit wearing. I had a similar thing because there's a lot of text you read, isn't there? I had to sort of move closer to the screen to to read that. Um, 
I, yeah, I didn't mind the text. I, I, I liked that it committed to being a reading game. Mm. There's a real tension with it. A lot of us who use the phrase, you know, it's a really kind of neat idea and it's a nice kind of little game. Uh, and in its heart, I think it is a really nice idea for a small kind of parlor game. But it's become this kind of opera. Um, and I think that's part of the problem with it. It's, it's, it's kind of too big. Yeah, I think the opening level in the train station, like you say, with this kind of sea of dolls, it is It's almost its kind of own worst introduction because actually mm-hmm. for me, for me, the game was at its best on the cruise ship where you've got a very tight environment. Yeah. For me, the train station did just seem like a mess of ideas after the um, the cruise ship. I think for me, the levels got a bit too big to be manageable. Was there something particular? So you sort of said it was a smaller space. Was there anything else different about that cruise ship level that you think made it really work, Chris? I think the design is just very tight. The amount of reuse of certain dolls in different puzzles... Um, I, th- I think it, you know, it's like a sort of perfectly orchestrated symphony almost. You've got all these pieces that interact with each other and there's lots of characters coming and going and there's kind of set pieces. The solutions to the puzzles are actually, they present themselves much better. The other levels didn't work in quite the same way for me, but that was, you know, if you only play one bit of the game, just play the cruise ship to death because it's brilliant. I think it may be the one level that hides its linearity, actually, where the other ones feel very stretched out and like you're going mm. along a path. Whereas the cruise ship really allows you to explore, like like you say, the environment. The puzzles seem to be stacked, well, stacked, there's a <laughs> word to use, but they seem to be stacked on top of each other where you can kind of meander around and you find yeah. them yourselves naturally. Whereas, especially the air balloon, you really feel like you're just going down this long path that they've got laid out and you're going into a series of puzzles rather than exploring the environment. It's interesting. There seems to be a tension in our opinion, which I think is a tension that I found in the game itself. Um, between a kind of functionalism on the one hand and then a kind of really creative expressivism, if that's even a word, on the other hand. So it's interesting for me, the the reason I really enjoyed the first level, the, the train station, was because I felt as if it was almost the fact that you couldn't see immediately what you were supposed to do, what all the characters were there for, that attracted me. You, you had to go around and, and speak to the different characters and explore the level in order to sort of work out the purpose. Whereas I felt, you know, speaking about the, the cruise ship, you know straight away what's happening on the cruise ship. And a lot of the characters are very, it's very easy to see where they fit in. And that felt much more functional to me. Whereas I think one of the things the game wants to do, perhaps in its sort of widest expression, moving away slightly from just the narrow kind of working through the narrative, is to kind of explore the characteristics of each of the dolls and something that's less functional. Yeah, that reminds me of something you were saying, Ian, before we started recording, about the end of that um, ship level, where you've got all the dolls all stacked inside of each other, um, mm. and you have to then sort of go through this arduous, unstacking, yeah. stacking, um, that seemed to undo the sort of the joy of just investigating these different characters. The the, the point where you, you have, I think, four dolls of the four mm. um, important guests stacked inside each other, and, and, and each doll... Uh, complains in a certain way to a specific guard, and you just have to match the right doll with the right guard. And you already have the full doll, so it's really a, a, a kind of trial and error to get the right um, to get the right doll to speak to the right guard. And you just there's no real there's a real kind of kind of grind to that, which mm. sort of worked against the elegance of the rest of it. Uh, there's a couple of puzzles really. I mean, I've not completed the game, so this this is with that important caveat um, that r- kind of really exposed some of the sort of poverty almost of the setup of each doll having you know a, a single special ability the bit like particularly there's a bit where you uh, you need to rally the children to overthrow the chef 
Um, and the task pops up on the screen, rally the children to over the chef. And then you find a certain character, you jump inside, and his special ability is rally the children to over the chef. You press A. Um, so you, <laughs> you kind of, this is, you know, this, this is a, a little bit. Again, I think it's that sense of it being slightly too big for, for itself, really. And I think that really subtracts from what could otherwise be a really neat and, and beautiful and detailed little experience. I mean, I think for me, I got distracted quite early on, but I think that was probably a good thing. So I went off and started to sort of investigate the different dolls you could find and the different hijinks things you could um, do to get special badges. And it seemed to be in those distractions that the game was actually having much more fun, both in itself and in the fun it was creating for me. I started experimenting at the beginning when I felt like the environments were manageable. But after I got off the ship, it was like I can... I couldn't be bothered. Honestly, mm. it just felt so vast. And I, I could feel I was on a track and I, I didn't feel like mm. I was being rewarded for searching the areas, which is a shame because I really enjoyed going to the different dolls and finding out what their powers were. And through those first two stages, I really enjoyed finding the different solutions. I didn't move on at all without finding all the available solutions. I think that probably says more about my personality than, than anything else. I think the, the, the concept in a sense, made the game more enjoyable. I mean, I think it fits into the idea of collecting sets. And I think that's probably one of those things that either really appeals to you on an instinctive level or doesn't. The possibility wasn't even there for me to kind of move on to a different to a different puzzle without finding all the solutions. Having said that, I didn't necessarily do each of the solutions all the way through, but I did do all of the solutions to all of the puzzles on a level before moving on to the next level, if you see what I mean. I want to say that is normally my personality type as well, and I think it might speak to the, the game itself that I gave up when I hit that kind of third stage. Mm. And it's, it's a game from the same studio that created Costume Quest, and there's a sort of a, almost a fable behind the whole creation of these games, of this amnesia fortnight that Double Fine, off the back of not sort of having a big project to work on, set their creative teams loose, and this is one of the games that resulted. But Costume Quest, for me, was a similar sort of thing in that I really got into collecting all the badges, doing every little bit before I moved on. And I think I did that more in Costume Quest than stacking. Um, do you think that's something that perhaps stacking doesn't quite deliver? I just find it difficult to hunt. You know, and I think it's the same near the beginning. It was, it was, you, you, it's, ob so it's obviously um, beautiful. It's obviously incredibly detailed. It rewards your attention to detail, I think, if you can be bothered to get to the point where you, you, know, where you want to search for it. But I think you're presented with, with such a, an expanse that, that, you know, I think you just kind of look at how much time you've got um, versus this thing opening out in front of you. Uh, and, and I think, it, for me at least, it just makes you, you can reach for the uh, glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't the only one doing that. That's good to know. So no, I mean, it's a separate issue, right? But yeah. <laughs> but I found with Costume Quest that even though there was that kind of collection side to the game with the with the stickers and things, um, I actually found with that that, to be honest, just playing the game through, that collection filled itself. I never even really thought about it. So for me, that was a kind of wasted element to that game. There, there, there was nothing that made me need to go and look for those stickers. Whereas I think for me, I mean, I've got the same problem here, where if, if you give me a game with like a checklist of things to do, mm. you know, I, I can't sleep unless I've ticked all of those boxes. Mm. So it did have that compulsion for me, and maybe that's, uh, you know, maybe that's why I probably enjoyed the game a lot, because, you know, I liked kind of filling this if you like, bestiary with kind of, you know, all these different things. I think it runs into a lot of the problems old adventure games have in that respect, because you, you reach a point where it's like, I don't understand the person who's creating this puzzle's logic. 
so I can't solve it. Whereas, well, if we're still using Costume Quest as the example, it really led you through everything and the puzzles followed a fairly consistent logic throughout. But I, I think at times in uh, stacking, you really reached a point where it was like, I, I just don't know what you, what, what you want me to do. You talk about adventure games there and something which uh, Chris said earlier, which made me think how actually this is a really um, streamlined way of delivering a sort of a power up and party system that you'd see in an RPG. But it's so streamlined, you almost don't realise that's what you're doing as you're sort of collecting together the dolls with the abilities you need. It, it's, it's a weird thing in that respect because, I mean, it is a party system in, to a point, but generally because you're only using one for any given solution, it felt more mm. like, did anybody play Messiah? It's a game where you're a little angel and you possess people and go around yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, do yeah. solutions. That's going back away. You really just search around, you find the one thing you need, and then everything opens up for you from there. Yeah. That's interesting, though, because I found that there were certain dolls that had really useful abilities that I wanted to hold on to. Mm. Uh, and I found myself stockpiling those dolls and making sure that even when I needed you know, to, to use another one, I'd, I'd take dolls with me that had abilities that I wanted to call upon later. So, I mean, obviously, there's the one that can kind of look around for unique characters. That's quite handy. Or the kid that throws up. That's, just <laughs> yeah. great. That's, That's great, just running up to people yeah. and chucking over them. But in terms of how someone who maybe doesn't play games so often could come to this, is the sort of simplicity and the sort of the novel look of the game, do you think that makes it well suited for someone new to gaming? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I think just uh, thought back over what we've just been saying, it sounds, it certainly sounds like, we're, oh, certainly me at least, just we're kind of very down on stacking. And I'm actually, I'm actually really not, I really, I really want to like it, I'm really glad that it exists, and I think Double Fine are just... Uh, you know, on a, on a, just on a real roll at the moment. You know, mm. and, and it's it's fantastic in how um, in how unique it looks, and it's fantastic. You know, at its core of the, of the kind of conceit. So I, I think people would enjoy it at first. I don't think they'll necessarily have the the same um, sort of objections to it that I think we're that we're having. The thing I was thinking about was about Lego Star Wars through it in terms of the transfers of characters, and just um, I guess sort of considering whether the possibility of a stacking Star Wars um, and how <laughs> yeah. that might work. I just think particularly when we were just talking about collectability and what, and that being a really key thing in the Lego games and whether that might transfer across to other, other worlds, if you like. I, I love it. I'm just yeah, trying right. to imagine it as we sit in. I want it now. <laughs> I think certainly the collectability element would, um, would appeal to fans of Star Wars. I mean, that's just mm. pick any kind of, Pick any franchise that attracts geeks, and I think you'll get people who are interested in the idea of that kind of collecting mechanic. You could have different sized dolls for, say, each of the different stages of, say, Luke Skywalker or someone, couldn't you? And you'd collect <laughs> them for the special ability. And Yeah, I think it would be ace. <laughs> no, but I mean, you, you look at just kind of how strong that, like, that core mechanic is, and how strong that core aesthetic is, and you sort of think, well, yeah, we could, we could paint a Vader face on the front of this. Uh, <laughs> But do you think it needs something like you that? You can have Anakin to... popping out of a Princess Leia doll at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all sorts of combinations. <laughs> but do you think it needs that? Do you think it needs um, a stronger brand to sort of have a wider appeal? Or do you think the, the political setting or social setting that it's selected is strong think... enough? No, it's strange, isn't it? Because it's a slightly mixed historical aesthetic. I mean, I don't. there isn't any particular period or place where you could position it it seemed to me to be a kind of mixture of probably depression era america and kind of pre-revolutionary russia and something of kind of victorian britain as well so i think it didn't seem to be set in a particular historical place 
does seem like a pick and mix postmodern creation doesn't it where they, they like silent movies and so that you've got the music of that era and you've got the sort of industrialization period with um children being put to work and stuff <laughs> um which which comes in handy so they, they pick that and it's a, it's a slightly weird comparison but in terms of the setting and the themes it's almost a kind of take on chitty chitty bang bang you've got this kind of bizarre victorian feudal germany steampunk thing going on <laughs> yeah that doesn't ever quite coalesce into a real world. It's very much a fantasy setting. Yeah, uh, I think we've just found the license that stacking needs. <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> Not Star Wars. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. stacks that. <laughs> Sorry, coming back to the question of, um, um, I mean, I played all the way through the game, and then my wife read my the article that I wrote about the game for game people, and then she wanted to play the game on the back of that. So, And that kind of created two frustrations, the first of which was, I don't know if any of the other of you found this, but if you want to play a different game you have to delete everything that you've done in your other game there's no there's no um there doesn't seem to be nothing that i could find anyway a way of kind of saving a different file and then going back so i had to destroy everything i'd completed in order for her to start again i think um, if you signed in on a different profile you'd avoid that problem ah uh, maybe that's okay. how they usually get around it Possibly. Yeah, she doesn't have her own profile because she doesn't yeah. play very much. So, uh, But then, then the other thing I found was, or she found rather, was that just the pacing was completely wrong for her. And I think that probably would be a problem for many non-gamers. She she got completely frustrated, you know, relatively quickly about how much talking there was compared to how much opportunity to move around and explore. It struck me that, that actually that probably is a fair criticism. There's lots of... Um, lots of the kind of intertitled dialogue, and it's quite slow as well, the, the way that that's done. So I think that probably would be a barrier to someone who wasn't sure to what extent they were invested in this experience. I was sitting with my partner because I was like, you know, come and look at this game, come and look at this game. And we were both kind of a bit like, you know, when's the game going to start? We want to just mm. get into this. Mm. Um, and the the intro just didn't, it, you know, it established quite a nice setting in the first couple of minutes. And then it just seemed to go on and on and on and go over the same points. I mean, one thing I will say for the the decision to have those kind of intertitles as opposed to having voiceover or whatever, it does make use of, and quite cleverly, of the, a, a particular kind of humour that comes along with silent film that fans of silent film will be used to in the sense that there's always the pause between the representation of the characters communicating and then the intertitles coming up telling us what the communication was. And silent film has, in that sense, has a whole different lexicon of humour and I thought Stacking did that quite well mm. I mean I left my wife to play it and I went into the bedroom and Harsh. about 10 or 15 minutes later I heard her <laughs> say no I don't want Levi to paint a painting of my experiences like she was, <laughs> by that point she was just getting too frustrated <laughs> So you talked about silent film there were there any other broader cultural sort of touchstones you think came up while you were playing i think visually the thing that it reminded reminded us both of when it first opened was it's kind of got that little big planet aesthetic with certainly with the cutscenes where everything looks like it's made out of yeah. sort of paper paper crafts mm. um and in that sense it's weird when you kind of have that as the opening and you think okay yeah this is going to be a world that's made out of bits of tin and, and leftovers yeah. and actually you then end up getting put in an environment which is like a like a proper sort of 3D Max kind of map, um, and it almost seemed a bit odd. I wouldn't have made the connection with Little Big Planet. I do see where it's coming from, but I think it comes far more from the. Um, they both go for a very toy boxy look, like when you're a kid and building your own world from whatever you've got around you and then the toys you already have. I think it's probably where I would have gone with the comparison. I, I was going to say, in terms of who'd be 
people think it's for in terms of who this really quite adult themes contained within it or could be or, or you know and they kind of diluted down for a broader audience it's not difficult to conceive of of, of stacking being uh, slightly more adult in the way that it um in the way that it tells its story well actually that's what i think worked quite well because it's not explicit in the theme like a lot of the a lot of the sort of the darkness is in the story and what's actually happening to these children mm. rather than sort of gore and blood and whatever i was quite happy to have my six-year-old sit with me and watch me sort of play at least the first sort of few sections and actually that was a really nice experience it seemed like his sort of sharper eyesight would often pick out oh there's the doll you need over there this is what they were trying to teach you about in the game you don't <laughs> use children to do your work for you and <laughs> yeah I, just work. I had a, a whole line of them just play it for me <laughs> in chains but actually that was it was quite fun i think on that level it's quite clever the way that it had something engaging in a, a sort of a grown-up story but without having to put that in your face in a way that a child would ne- necessarily realize i had quite a strange experience in that i really enjoyed interacting with it and I, it was one of the most kind of joyful games i played in a long time like it really it was really making me smile a lot however what i was thinking about while i was playing it was um kind of unremittingly political, actually. I mean, anyone who's, who read my review of Stacking for Game People, it, I mean, basically, I just wrote all about the, the politics of the game. And that might have sounded slightly um, kind of forced, but actually that really reflected my my experience of playing it. It kind of, almost without realising it, I was suddenly having all these kind of political thoughts. And I think that was something that the kind of aesthetic just produced for me so it was a kind of weird clash of the of the sort of childlike and the very um the very analytical the very adult i guess what's interesting about stacking it's not a game that tests your sort of hand-eye coordination and quick reflexes in the way that some games do very much once you're sort of part way through a puzzle you can kind of take your own time to to complete that and I think it doesn't put the gamer under pressure is and that's where I think it suits maybe younger players and much older players you know it's not going to be that if you can't jump right like in some games if you you know if you can't time the jumps you're going to fail it's not like that you can very much do it at your own pace um, and it's not going to penalize you for not having a complete mastery of the controls which for me makes me think maybe it's a game that's very good for senior players who um you know they want to engage with something involved but maybe haven't grown up with the video game sort of controls there's not that barrier to entry here absolutely I do wonder if it's designed for families to play together because i know a lot of the developers have just had kids and i wonder if they wanted yeah. to sit down and like you did play with your kids mm. getting them to say that one yeah <laughs> but actually i was wondering now maybe it's a good game to sort of sit down and play with your parents like grandparents that sort of age perhaps you know that's not a category we often talk about gray gamers yeah gray, silver gamer so there's a whole load of stuff there in stacking for you to think about um hopefully go and play it we're out of time today but we'll be back next week until then you can keep track with us on the website at www.gamepeople.co.uk you can friend us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash game people or follow us on twitter at game underscore people see you next week bye 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 was recorded for gamepeople.co.uk. The editor and producer was Andy Robertson.